This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Western North Carolina. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. November the 3rd, 2023. Still a chilly one down here. 26 degrees at the moment, though uh, we're going to warm up again. It's supposed to get warmer over the weekend. Back into the 70s next week. Just can't figure this weather out. But uh, Red Sox introduced their new... Chief of Baseball Operations yesterday, so we're going to uh, get to that in just a second. Just a reminder coming up uh, in about 10 minutes, Dan Zampano is going to join us uh, to talk NFL football. It's actually, we had to tape the interview last night. Dan is out of town, so he was not going to be available this morning. Uh, so he agreed to tape the interview. We did it last night about 8 o'clock, so uh, that will be coming up in about 10 minutes. Um, so Craig Breslow said all the right things yesterday. And, and what I thought was interesting – uh, in his press conference was that he uh, used the term bringing fresh perspectives, which tells me that there are going to be some changes. And I, and I, I don't think it's with Alex Cora uh, because he actually said Alex Cora unequivocally is going to be the manager for 2024. I, I think though, that we might see some changes in that front office to get different voices in there and I don't know if that means Eddie Romero or uh, 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 Rachel uh, Ferrara. I don't know exactly what that means, but it, I think that we are going to find some new people in that front office. And, you know, Pete Abraham pointed out this morning in the Boston Globe, one, one of the things that's interesting is with the last couple of bosses that have been there with Heim Bloom and Ben Sherrington, you've had the same other cast of characters around them. Right, uh, Hein Bloom came in, didn't make any changes. Well, Craig Bressel says that, that he thinks it's important that there are. Um, so that will be very, very interesting to see. The other thing that was interesting uh, was uh, the Red Sox ownership yesterday made it clear that they want to need they need to get back to the top of the heap, and money is not going to be an issue. Uh, Bressel continued to point out that he understands the Red Sox ownership, I mean the Red Sox fan base, and what it means for somebody running that operation and about how you can't be passive and about how you have to uh, make it uh, so that you're giving the fans what they want. He said, I know what it's like to stand out on that mound, you know, with tens of thousands of, uh, you know, I think he called them the best fans in baseball, which is the politically correct thing to say. Um, so I, I think that, you know, and based on some of the things that he was involved with in Chicago, I think he's going to bring that fresh perspective. He talked to Theo Epstein at length about this, so he knows exactly what he's getting into. 
Um, I think Theo will be a great resource for him. I, I look, and he's he's smart. There's no question about that. But then Hyden Bloom was was smart too. But the difference here is, I get the sense, and I could be wrong, but I get the sense that Craig Breslow is not going to be afraid to pull the trigger. He's not going to sit back and not make a decision. I think that was part of the problem with Heimblum. Do you remember last year when Xander Bogarts ended up signing with the San Diego Padres and there was pictures and video of Heimblum looking absolutely stunned after taking that phone call and finding out that Bogarts was going to the West Coast, he looked like he didn't understand what was going on or that he, he just was, you know, in disbelief. And, look, Xander Bogarts made it clear that one of the reasons that he went to San Diego was that there was a uh, there was a desire to have him there and that, you know, they made him feel that he was wanted there. And that, you know, the you know he didn't come out and say that the Red Sox were wishy-washy or didn't step up to the plate. But that's the sense that you got. And there were numerous other reports during the course of the year that there were other things floated and Heimblum couldn't make up his mind whether it was a good idea or not. Don't think that's going to be a problem for Craig Breslow. Uh, he said he and uh, and Alex Cora was there yesterday, and he said they've talked. I thought it was interesting. Somebody asked him, uh, what do you remember about being a, a teammate? And he said, not, not much, because they were only teammates uh, for a month in 2006. I mean, don't forget, Alex is, uh, you know, a little bit older. Uh, and, uh, you know, Breslow was there for a short time in 2006, and didn't come back to the Red Sox and you know the major league club until a few years later and then stuck around for a while and then was in the majors for a while so with other teams so um but I think that the, it sounds like the two of them have talked the early decision I think that he's going to have to make and this isn't even about free agency I think they're going to have to decide who's going to be their pitching coach when they fired Dave Bush They've got to make a decision here. And this is, you know, with the fact that Breslow is kind of tasked with rebuilding this pitching staff and going out and whether it's free agency or whether it is um, working with these young kids, some decisions about the path forward have to be made quickly. So that, to me, means they've got to get a pitching coach in there. One of the names that's been floated is Andrew Bailey, uh, who was the pitching coach for the Giants. Uh, and Andrew Bailey is a guy I'm actually familiar with. Uh, he pitched uh, at, I think, Wagner College in the Northeast Conference. I was at Central Connecticut State and uh, Sacred Heart, and I watched him pitch in college. So, And, you know, I've had a chance to talk to him a little bit. Good dude. Good dude. Uh, and... Uh, He's a guy that uh, uh, likes to get involved with the community. He and his wife have done some great things with kids with for kids with special needs, and I, I think so. I think that might, might be a good move if they can get him 
He and uh, Brussel are supposedly friends, so that might be a good start. But that's where they've got to start. If you're going to rebuild your pitching staff, you better have the guy that's going to be working with them on a daily basis on board so that everybody is on the same page. So, anyway, I just thought it was a, a, a positive uh, press conference, and it, I got the sense that Craig Breslow is ready to get to work, and he's ready to make some hard decisions, and he's not going to be afraid to uh, let some people go if he feels they're going to be in his way. And as Pete Abraham said in his column this morning, let's not do this again in 2027 because that's been the pattern is every three or four years the Red Sox are looking for somebody. You know, after Theo Epstein left, it's been a revolving door. Let's get somebody in there for a while. Let's not have it be every four years we're looking for somebody. So let's get Craig Bressel in there. Let's give him, you know, let's let's have him there for, you know, 10, 15 years. It'd be a nice thing. Because if that's the case, it means the Red Sox are in the mix every year. And, they ha- and, and it's just been uh, the last three or four years have been brutal. With the exception of that... Uh, Wild card run the first year Heimblum net was there. It's been in pretty much a, an unmitigated disaster. So, anyway, uh, one other quick thing before we get to uh, Dan. Um, what a great game by the Bruins last night. Um, they got up early, and then uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs came back and scored two goals in 63 seconds. And... Uh, then the Bruins just, I'm honest to God, in the third period, nobody, and they didn't score. Uh, Ilya Samsonov, the goalie for Toronto, was ridiculous last night. It made like, you know, 38 saves, something like that. And But the Bruins, in the final stages of the, the third period, did not allow Toronto a shot on goal. Not even a shot. Never mind on goal. They didn't even get a shot. And the Bruins at one point had the goal, had the puck, in the offensive end, even strength for over a minute. And, you know, I mean, they hit the pipe a couple of times and uh, end up going into overtime. Nobody scores in the overtime. They even got a power play in the overtime, couldn't score because Samsonov was ridiculous. Toronto didn't get a shot in the overtime. And then the uh, they in, they go to a shootout, and Jeremy Swayman was great in goal. He stopped both chances by Toronto. DeBrusque and Coyle both scored on their chances, and the Bruins win it. Uh, three to two in a shootout. They extend the best start in franchise history. They are nine zero and one, and for a team that nobody thought uh, had a chance. I mean, look at you know they set an NHL record for points in the season last year, and everybody was like, with you know with the Patrice Bergeron leaving, and uh, uh, you know it just it, it, they thought they'd had no chance. You know, and they had some salary cap issues, and uh, they've kind of pieced this thing together. And let me tell you, uh, we're only—I understand we're only, you know, about you know, fifteen percent into the season. But this is a—you know—they're getting the great goaltending with Swayman and Linus Olmark that they got last year. Uh, Pasternak's doing his thing. Brad Marchand being the captain now has stepped up even more. Patra, the young kid, looks really, really good. Pavel Zaka's been ridiculous. I think this Bruins team has a chance. Uh, they may not, They, you know, I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup, but I, they have a chance, I think, to uh, uh, win their division and hopefully have a better showing in the playoffs than they did last year. But this is a very, uh, very fun team to watch, at least early on. I mean, we've got a long way to go, 
but that was a that was that's a pretty good Toronto team last night, and uh, the Bruins really stepped up. They it looked like you know you give up two goals in 63 seconds, things could go south in a hurry. And give the the Bruins a lot of credit; they rallied and they really kind of took it to Toronto. After that, it's 17 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to run our interview that we uh, taped with Dan Zampano last night. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. And as we are every Friday, we are pleased to be joined by Dan Zampano of the Sunday Card. We're recording this on Thursday night. Dan is out of town, so we had to do it early. So we're going to talk over, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some things that are going to happen on Thursday night football, but it's, it, there's not much we can do about it. So, uh, Dan, I want to start off this week. The trade deadline was on Tuesday. And I think the biggest debate, and, and there were a lot of moves, and we'll talk about them all, but the biggest thing was, with the injury to Kirk Cousins last weekend, you knew that the Minnesota Vikings had to do something. The question was, who? Do you think they got the right guy uh, in getting Dobbs from Arizona? I think because they got Dobbs from Arizona, it really allowed them to kind of middle this whole situation. Yes, they're in the playoff hunt. Yes, they're a 4-4 four and four team. However, without Kirk Cousins, I just you know you don't really see a path forward, right. and there weren't too many real options. Kirk Cousins is in the final year of his deal. It's likely that this is the final chapter for him in Minnesota, unfortunately. But I, I think that with the Dobbs situation, at least you can kind of compete. I would have liked to see them uh, trade off other assets, okay. and yet they may still do that. Yep. Uh, I am not of the belief that the Vikings should go for it this year. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think that that would be wise. I think that they need to get their cap under control, and they've tried to do that. They've traded some players away. They've made cap room for some other players. Uh, they've got players on easy deals. But like a guy like Daniil Hunter, who's leading the league in sacks, a guy like Harrison Smith, those are all expendable pieces, and I know you want to have a season, and Justin Jefferson's also hurt, so... This is kind of, they have to make room for him with the cap space. I didn't think that signing a big quarterback like a Brian Tannehill as a trade or, you know, even signing like a Colt McCoy, uh, that probably would have been the same level of, uh, of, uh, of a signing than Dobbs would okay. have been. Yep. So I, I thought they were kind of like middling this, this whole idea. I, I, I'm of the belief that the Vikings need to do less winning than, than, uh, than, 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 uh, than less losing, obviously, because I think that they really are in a spot where they got to find a franchise quarterback next year. Right, and that's their goal. Right. So, so it would almost, you know, and and again, you don't say this, and the team's not going to tank, but it's, it would almost behoove them to not finish well. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it would hurt, and I think, and I think uh, a lot of it's like, well, you look at the NFC. Are we good enough? You know, we we haven't right. had Jefferson in uh, right. a lot, but we've got these young we've got these young players that are developing for us, like the Jordan Addisons of the world and T.J. Hawkinson and all those players. Like you've got pieces in place. I think you would have enough to at least stay competitive, but not get to the point where you're picking twenty third in the right. in the first round. You know, right. you wanna you wanna maybe make an make it a little less of a ding on you so that if you did want to trade up and get a quarterback that you could do it. So uh, I do think that this was because it was pennies on the dollar. It didn't cost a lot in draft capital that they made this move. It's obviously a move that, you know, I'm not going to disapprove of. The Vikings are in such a tough spot though. There is so much mediocrity in the NFL this year that, I mean, you've got how many teams do you have at either four and three or three and four, and here are the Vikings sitting at yeah. 500. I mean, it could go it could go one of two. I mean, you know, especially, especially in the NFC, you know, it, it's almost 
you know, unless Dobbs really lays an egg, they're, I think they're still a favorite to make the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think right now, I mean, what is it? They have, there's one team in the league that has one loss. Yeah. In Philadelphia. Philadelphia. I mean, that's – and especially in the NFC where – Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, there's it's, it's so crazy. few There's so few good teams in the NFC. It's just – it's wild. So you're right. I think they they definitely have a great chance to make the playoffs. Although, it's like, is that what you want? Right, you know, exactly. Can, right. it, it, I don't know. But if you can compete and give your fans a decent season, like they'll respect you for that. And I've always said, like, I wouldn't tank per se, but like filling the position is not always a uh, the most prudent thing. They filled it the best they could with what was available to them. The winners of the trade deadline, in my opinion. Uh, number one, the San Francisco 49ers. Number two, okay. number two, the Washington Commanders may be the real victors here. Um, because, yeah. You know, by trading Chase Young and Montez Sweat, all of a sudden they've got themselves some pretty good draft capital. I mean, they they're in a position, Dan, where they're going to get you know you know some pretty high choices in that first round. And if they don't blow them, I mean, this is a chance to reset their team a little bit. And they're going to get some high choices in the second round as well, yes. which might be the most valuable of all, right. considering the economic uh, uh, output that you're going to see from that. You get a very cheap player yep. that could really blossom. So the second round picks are great. I think the trade for San Francisco, San Francisco, you look at them and you're like, why are they adding all these pass rushers? You know, they have that already. San Francisco understands one thing: you don't, you don't really want to, you know, you, you don't really want to take something away for, for something else just because you're maybe deficient in one spot that you don't want to build the other spot that you're strong in. You build on strength. Right. That's what right. you do. And yep. in the game of football, you and I both know that that game is won yes. in the trenches. Yep. And that Chase Young provides a depth defensive end. I know the media thinks he's amazing and all this stuff. And, you know, but you tell me, what do you have, 14 sacks? And yep four years. Yep. I mean, it's totally, you know, that's the number two pick for you. Like, no thanks. And the fact that they, they got him for a third round pick. Um, that's not too shabby. Right. That's well, not too shabby at all. You know, and my, but, and my point was, is, is it was kind of piggybacking on what you said to me. It wasn't that chase young, um, you know, is going to be the difference in San Francisco, but right. That is just another piece. And you know what, if you are deficient in other areas, if, if your front seven, is putting pressure on the other team's offensive line, and and if they're trying to pass, you know, something you can get away with some deficiencies in the secondary if you've got that kind of front right. seven. Right, exactly, and that's how the 49ers have done their defense for the last few years. Is that's how they've built it on that front seven. The one that makes absolutely zero sense to me is what the heck are the Chicago Bears I, doing? I was <laughs> giving Washington a second round pick. That's uh, I, that I was, mean, that was my next question. What are they doing? That is like completely asinine. Like, do you think because you be you're going to give up a valuable high second round pick, which is essentially a low a low end first round pick, possibly? Yep. For a guy and Montez Sweat, that don't get me wrong, he's a good player, but just to get first rights of refusal for him because Crazy. he's playing in the last year of his contract, right. like you can just give him the money then. Like, why do you have to give up the draft capital? It right. literally makes no sense and the bears are in the position that they're in because of that oh, like, like that, yeah. is montez sweat 
going to give you the greatest opportunity to go to the playoffs this year. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> so, you know, you got a D2 quarterback playing quarterback for you. Like, like wake up and smell right. the coffee here. And, you know, as usual, the Bears do something incredibly stupid. And, you know, Washington, <laughs> who's usually another team that does incredibly stupid things, is actually looking pretty decent. Well, they've so got, they've got five, two seconds and two thirds. That's yeah. awesome. All right, right. Five picks in the first three rounds. And, uh, and I don't know that they've had that ever, have they? I mean that's. I mean they're going to rebuild that whole team. A, they're going to rebuild that whole team. I don't 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 think that uh, that Mr. Rivera will will uh, will be the guy to do it either. I think that they'll reset the whole thing with his new owner. What was your take on the trade that, that they made uh, with Donovan Peoples Jones going? Did you did that? Does that really do anything? Does that move the needle at all for you? Because I think Peoples Jones uh, was traded from Cleveland, right? Yes. To. Um, to Washington. To Washington, yeah. So, so uh, to me, it probably again like that's a strength of their team, and they didn't they didn't give up much for him. I, I, I my mind's escaping me what they gave up for him, but um, they they you know they built on a strength of a player that had a really good year last year, and they've got depth around him. And again, like look at Washington, like they may not like you may not think Washington's very good, but they do have a shot. I get into the playoffs, like and, and, as crazy as it is. And by the way, he didn't, they go, play. He didn't, he didn't go to Washington. He went to the Lions. I'm sorry. He went to the Lions. I was going to say, I was going to say, I don't remember Washington making yeah, that no, deal. He went, so, to, he went to the Lions. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought. So um, the Lions, the, and when I talk about the Lions, uh, the Lions add a great piece. I mean, that like look at Donovan Peoples-Jones' staff last year in a place where he really wasn't doing anything for Cleveland. Yep. Um, much at all, you know, he goes to a team that's going to throw the ball all over the yard. And, yep. and again, adding more depth of the position, like he's probably, he's probably their number two or three receiver on that team. And if you look at a guy like Josh Reynolds for the, for the lions and how productive he's been, yep. Donovan people's Jones is more talented than him. Right. So, you know, he could really step in and make a huge impact. And people are really going to have to start thinking about how they're going to cover the Detroit lions Not that they they haven't had to do it already, but the Lions, Lions really need some help uh, back at the running back position. They can get Montgomery back healthy, and now right. they get Peoples Jones added in the passing game with that play action. Ooh wee, you know. I mean, Ford Field can be rocking a lot. And they only gave up a sixth round pick to get him. Yeah, you so know, that's so, a great that's a great value for that guy. You know, and and uh, you know, and you you gotta love it. I mean, he's a Michigan native. He's actually, I think he's from Detroit, isn't he? Yeah, I think he is. He went to Michigan. He was a great receiver at Michigan. Was one of the, I think he was one of the highest touted high school wide receivers as well. So he's been good all the way through. He's been a really, really good prospect high school to the NFL. Who didn't get moved that you expected to get moved? Um, you know, I, I thought that maybe, you know, you might see some stuff moving from the Titans that they would get moved. I know they moved Bayard, but, right. you know, with with what they did with Bayard, I was kind of surprised. Like, hey, you know, would they consider a move on from like a guy like D Hop or a guy like even Derrick Henry? You know, yeah. I I thought that that might be you know something that that came up in circles. I guess the one guy that I would say is Josh Uche got held out of the game on on Sunday, and I thought he was going to get moved, I and they too, never yeah. did. No, nope. no. Nope. So you know that was that was an, uh, like a really a guy that. He was he was definitely consideration. Then Brian Burns of Carolina has been asking for a, a contract extension too, and and right. he didn't get moved either off of Carolina. So that's a guy that could totally impact a 
a, a team like, like Jacksonville or if Philadelphia wanted to get bigger on the offensive line, another pass rusher, like they could have moved him. So either one of those guys who were double digit sacks last year, surprised they didn't get moved. Uh, well, this wasn't exactly a trade deadline deal, but we uh, we talked about this last week, and I asked how hot the seat was for Josh McDaniels. Well, <laughs> it was nuclear because uh, he is out of there. Yeah, and and, and you know, look, what are, whatever you feel about him, my here's the thing: his tenure in Las Vegas, and people talk about how bad he was in Denver. His tenure in Las Vegas is worse than it was in Denver. Yeah, is he ever going to yeah, get another? I- will he ever get another chance at the top job? I think he would have to. It would have to be a long time. It would have to kind of be like Denver, right? I mean, it would yeah. have to. He would have to go to a place where, you know, he was very successful, and you know, and it would be a long time. I, it, it's going to be hard for him because it, it's going to take a generation really for him to even get another crack at the egg, you know. And and maybe he goes the college route. Who knows? But you know, I think Josh McDaniels at this point, I don't think he just couldn't communicate his what he wanted to do on offense for this team. And I don't think they really built it right. Okay. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was very just, you know, you, you feel for the guy. I think he's a really good coach and Mick Lombardi as well, like getting fired as offensive coordinator. I, I think they kind of built this team backwards. You know, they went with Devontae Adams, yep. uh, big splash shining and it's hard to work for Mark Davis, man. <laughs> you know, he's not gonna, he's not gonna, keeping around long if the results aren't there. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think that typically you would want to find the quarterback and then find the, and get the offensive line and defensive line around him. And they never were really able to do that in Vegas. And I know he got less than, he got kind of less than two years or two and a half years, whatever he got. And, you know, the, you just didn't see the results. Like, it wasn't getting any better. So, you know, they had to let him go. Well, he also kind of, you know, he kind of hitched his wagon to Jimmy G. You know, and uh, yeah, and oh, and Jimmy G is looking more and more like a piece of toast every week, and he's not. <laughs> I mean, and he's. Not, I mean, how do you miss those throws? Yeah, how do you I, mi- those are those are junior high level throws yep. that he missed to yep. the best receiver, one of the best receivers in football. Yeah, like, I, crazy. You know what I think it is in some cases with him. I think I think he's gun shy. I think that he's been. I think he's been hit so much. He's been injured so much that I just think it might be a mental thing with him now more than anything. I don't know, man. He, he, you know, he's not in the right. You can't say he's not in the right system. I mean, he's run that system right. yeah. for a while, but I don't know if they have the. I don't know if they have. You know, that system is hard to run with a dominant receiver like that because your 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 tendency would be to feed that receiver, right? But yeah. but that's not that way. Like that's not the way that offense is run. It's it's you know you throw it to the open guy. You know, and it's you better not throw it to anyone else, you right. know, uh, or McDaniels is going to get on you. So it's it's kind of a hard way to do it. I think now maybe with this firing, that will open up a little bit more of the Raiders offense to be like a little more freelancing and understanding matchups and not be so beholden to the system. Okay. Uh, let's get into uh, some of last week's games. And uh, and I know we're doing this on Thursday and they played, they're playing tonight, but I, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about what Will Levis did last week. Now, look, again, right. I understand it's the Atlanta Falcons. I understand that Desmond Ritter was awful, uh, and uh, his his career in Atlanta is probably over. Um, but Will Levis uh, was really, really good. I mean, four touchdowns, no picks. Uh, I love the fact that uh, 
he showed a strong arm. He didn't show any hesitation about throwing the ball down the field. He looked like mm-hmm. a confident quarterback, not somebody making their first start. That was incredible. I mean, have have I don't think I've ever been more wrong about a player from high school to the NFL well, in my whole life. I, I, I mean, I tell my wife that all the time. You you know that I watched him play in high school for two years, and I was like. Yeah, no way. But, you know, what happened was the kid grew up is what happened. Because if you remember when we first started seeing him at Xavier High School, he wasn't very big. And he got bigger and stronger. And then when he got – oh, my God, when he got to Kentucky, he just – he became a monster. He really did. He was a monster. Yeah. He was ripped at Kentucky. And, you know, I I think that was a credit to his quarterback coach that he changed in the offseason when he went to Kentucky. And you could see the differences. He was he was uh, he he was much better in his footwork. You could see he's much better in his arm movement was way better. And man, he just he has confidence. Like he's just confident. Like he let the ball. He knows I got DeAndre Hopkins here. Let me just rip this ball down the field and, to him. You know, like he, <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins is the happiest guy in America. Was <laughs> seeing that ball. Yeah. Throw, you know what I mean? I mean he that was a huge game. I mean, four catches, one hundred and twenty eight yards. That's insane. Yeah, it was incredible. So it was, it almost reminded me of, uh, you remember when Lynn Swan did that in the Super Bowl? And yeah. He kept letting him throw it. You yeah. know, that's what it looked like. It was like Terry Bradshaw to Lynn Swan. Let, let me, you know, me, it was like unbelievable. Did you, I don't know if you saw this stat, but this is, this was incredible to me. And, um, that Will Levis, there's only th- uh, three quarterbacks now that threw four touchdown passes in their NFL debut. Do you know who they are? I, I saw this stat, but it, in my mind, it's, it's, it's totally fraud. It's one of those things when I looked at it and I said, one of these things is not like the other. It was like that Sesame Street song. <laughs> uh, Fran Tarkenton is one of them. So, you know, like, yes. uh, you know he's a Hall of Famer. Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota was the other one. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, but those are the only. I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. He's either going to be a Hall of Famer or a Hall of Bust, you know. I, I don't know, but... Yeah, but either way, he'll be a bust. Either way, he'll be a bust if that's the case. Then, yeah, right? I mean, I now hope he'll either get his bust or he won't. will be one. You know, they're getting ready to kick off now here on the Thursday night. I hope we haven't jinxed them, but uh, you know, going into Pittsburgh tonight, that's going to be a um, a different uh, a different test. yeah, that's going to be yeah. a different test for, with that uh, that Pittsburgh defense. So, uh, but I mean, I just was incredibly impressed by that kid. It just he looks so confident. Uh, speaking of the Steelers. And by the way, uh, and I don't mean to like kill you, but do you realize you went one and six last week here? Yeah, I, you know it was a very strange <laughs> week Ooh. on the spreads too. Like we were two two and one, you know, on the picks this yeah. week. It was like, why did we push? And Matty Ice had two pushes on his picks. Like it was like, whoa! It was a very strange week. And you want to know why, Gene? What quarterbacks? Yeah, quarterbacks <laughs> yeah. just went down like yeah. flies. I mean. We got Danny DeVito out there for the Giants. We got, we got, uh, you know, we we had Tyson Bajant yeah. on, on national TV. Chris yeah. Collinsworth is like, oh, you know, just saying how he can, how Justin Fields can learn from this kid. Like, uh, what on earth are we talking he's, about? He's like, got, I thought I wanted you know, to know what he was smoking. Was I wanted, brutal. I wanted some of what Collinsworth was smoking. It was ridiculous. It um, was like, what are we doing? But this was one of the games I wanted to bring up. And you talked about quarterback play. Kenny Pickett gets hurt. And it was, and like, he gets hurt too. Yeah, and any chance, so it was like any chance Pittsburgh had of staying in this game um, was over. And you know, Trevor Lawrence, uh, God love him, he's he's you know through for almost three hundred yards. Uh, and you know, look, I I think this Jacksonville team, I know he hasn't been great 
but he's been pretty good. And they seem this t- Jacksonville team seems to be starting to round into shape a little bit. Etn getting more involved in the offense. I think this team, you know, I know you picked them to make the playoffs, and I think this team is really kind of rounding into shape now. I agree. Uh, you know, I, and and it showed me something last week. They can play muck it up football. Yep. You know, like it wasn't a great performance offensively, but you would have expected in the past, like Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's script to win the game was there. Uh, they just could not find the end zone. That was the issue. And yep. and then when you had that pass to, to ETN that went like 55 yards, I mean, and it was raining and it was messy and Jacksonville didn't bother him. And, and that's the mark of a good team. Like that's the mark of a team that can go on the road. They've won five in a row. Like, you know, this is this is starting to look very, very real. They've got the quarterback to do this. And don't sleep on this defense. This yeah. defense is really hard to run the football on. So, yeah. you know, Jacksonville, they're going to get a much-needed bye, and they're going to go right back in the swing of things, and they got to go punch somebody in the mouth because I think they're playing San Francisco, who's also on the bye Oof. right out of the gate. So so that's going to be – it's going to be a very interesting game to see how good really – are the Jaguars. They've beaten the Bills. They've beaten some teams down the road. Now they're going to get one of the big boys who need the win. So Jacksonville, I I think they have as good a chance. I'll say this. I think they have as good a chance to get to the Super Bowl than any other team in the AFC. I really think that. Wow. That's that's high praise. Um, Well, uh, a couple of surprises from last week. And speaking of teams rounding into shape, and players rounding into shape. How about Joe yeah. Burrow and those Cincinnati Bengals, what they did to the San Francisco 49ers last week? Uh, stunned. Is that, it's the only thing I can say, stunned. Stunning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was a stunning performance. I mean, they, they ran you know? they ran all over San Francisco. Yes. I, I mean, <laughs> that was what was most surprising. Yes. That, that, you know, that was that, – and Mixon is back in the fold of things. Burrow – Realize, like, the problem with the Bengals had been that Burroughs' downfield passing wasn't there right. the whole year. Yeah. And last week on throws of 10 yards or more, he was 8 for 9 with two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So so that was that was really significant in the progress that they're making. Plus, that defense has really come alive, too. I mean, they're getting pressure on the quarterback now like no other. Um, and with San Francisco, I mean... You know, I know Purdy has played badly, and he's throwing interceptions. He might – I'm surprised that he played in this game. I really was. Yeah. Like, to clear concussion protocol that quickly, you know, we haven't seen that. And and maybe that had a little bit to do with it, and that Darnold may have been the better option at the time. But it's not just Purdy. Like, the defense is starting to have holes in the boat. Yep. And maybe they realized it, and they're a little desperate, and they wanted to go out and reassure, like, hey – we need to get this defensive front like still rocking and rolling. Let's go get Chase Young. You know, I I don't know. Like that that was the first time that I've seen chinks in the armor of the San Francisco yeah, defense. Let, it let was kind of stunning. Let me say this: if you got an NFL bingo card at the start of the season, and one of the things on there was the 49ers lose three in a row, I'd have thrown my card away and said, "Game over. I'm I'm out. I'm I know. Play, I'm not even playing." I mean, I that I I think you know. Look, everybody is going to have a game, but the fact that this 49ers team has had three of those in a row, uh, it's like you know, it's like the computer that does not compute. It just doesn't make any sense to me, and I, I can't. And Gene, re- remember what we said at the beginning of the season? At least I said it. I picked Seattle to win this division. You did, You're and the right. reason why yeah. was because 
was because I thought Brock Purdy would cost them late in the season. Like people yeah. would start to figure him out and he hasn't played well. So he went from MVP to is he really the quarterback of the future real quick, didn't he? Yeah, and I and it's funny, I remember when you picked Seattle at the start of the season, I was like I'm thinking, What? You know, I, I thought I thought maybe you and lost guess it. who's in first yeah, place. Well, you know, hey, look, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. So yeah, that's uh, exactly but true. The absolute shocker of the week: the Denver Broncos, unreal, beating the Kansas City Chiefs, keeping the Chiefs out of the end zone, and it's Taylor Swift's fault. It's the only thing I can think of. It's got no. Oh. <laughs> Am I? It, uh, this was Halloween weekend, yeah, and that was maybe the most nauseating costume to, to <laughs> oh have my God, to see. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, like I, I think it was a stat, though, like last last week that said, uh, like uh, that Tua wasn't even at Alabama yet. The last time the Broncos beat the yes, Chiefs. yes, something crazy like that. Like it was like it was what on sixteen earth? straight games. Yeah. 2007. Pretty nuts. 2007. That's I mean. Pretty crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. But pretty crazy. I, I, I'll, I and look, Denver, give them credit. Hey, their their defense is playing a lot better, and that offense has not been bad all year. They ran the ball down the throats of the Chiefs. But what was so shocking was Mahomes. I mean, you realize that Patrick Mahomes has, by the metrics, he has some of the lowest stats and lowest. Uh, you know, analytical stats in his career. Like he's he's been hit more than at at any time in his career. He's gotten the most pressure on him this year than any other year. He's his his receivers have the highest drop rate in the league. Uh, he's had the most they call it bad throw percentages. Hmm. That's the worst in the league. His interception percentage is the worst he's had in in, in uh, his entire career. Like you know, he has not had the same thing. And somehow, some way. He's still the MVP favorite. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say this, it's, though. It's pretty incredible. I'll say this, though, Dan. You know, all the years that he's played, and you remember, you know, all the circus throws that he's made, and people are like, how the hell did he get that ball out? How the hell did he complete that? At some point, when you have to do that on a regular basis, don't the odds even out? Isn't that isn't this a little bit maybe of, of, of uh, I don't want to say karma, but, you know, just kind of the odds evening out with some of the stuff that, that he's not getting away with that he's been able to get away with in the past? You look, they're still at the top of the division. They're still going to win the division. Well, that division is like awful. It's, yeah, it's awful, <laughs> but they're going to be right there. They're probably going to be a number one or number two seed. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, they have to figure out themselves and what the identity of this team is. And so far, this identity of this team has been defense, not offense. Yeah. So, and, and with that, and, but they're missing Nick Bolton this week. They're missing probably their other starter linebacker, Lily Yeh, this week. Like, they're gonna have they're gonna have a tough time going forward here and playing. They're starting to start playing some of the big boys now. And what do they do against those teams? What do they do against Dallas and Miami and Philly? Like, you know, I am super interested in this Germany game this week. That's probably the number one game I want to watch. Um, the uh, we talked last week about is it too early to pass any sentence on Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers and the the general manager of Green Bay this week was like, you know, everybody needs to calm down. It's still early. He's still young. But I mean, uh, do you see any hope of the Packers riding the ship or is this like is, is this just, you know, a mail them in the rest of the way kind of thing? I mean, they aren't running the ball at all. 
And and that's I think the yeah. most, with with Jones and Dylan the fact that they I mean Jones and Dylan last week and I understand the score had something to do with it but look it was a 10-3 game at the half right and Jones and Dylan combined for 13 carries for 40 yards you know I mean that I, I yeah. they've they've stopped it's like they don't even try anymore yeah and and love is not getting them out of any situation no it's like I I, I it's tough because you know. You look at that team and, and you say this should be a lot better. And, you know, you, you kind of, like I said last week, you know, I, I don't think you can pull the plug on Jordan Love like right now. You know, I, I think I think that you could be reasonable with him and say, you know, okay, we probably need another year to see this through. Right. But, you know, if you don't see the progression, you know, quickly in the next year, you know, I'm not sure they even make a coaching change. Like, you know, I, I, I don't think you can do that yet considering where we're, where we're at. I don't think you really know how good of a coach Matt LaFleur is either. Right. Like, I think a lot of his stuff has been masked by Aaron Rodgers for a long time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think now you're, now you're seeing like, hey, he's got to be the guy to, to build this kid up and be at the hip with him and, you know, build that camaraderie. And if this kid does not have that, I think they'll lean towards the kid more than they will LaFleur. So, I don't think they're really in a spot this year where they want to make a change. And you know, the Packers are like molasses with yes. change around there. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I do think that they need to take a hard look at how they outfit their team in the offseason. They're playing for the draft. Yeah. I mean, it's so obvious now. Like, they, they can't do anything on offense. So we'll see. I, I really thought last week was the bottom out, and maybe this week. You know, it might be. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how they go forward, but don't expect anything from them until until the offseason. Before we uh, get into this week's games, we've got to talk about the Patriots from last week, another disappointing game. Another, oh, my God. Uh, yeah. you know, and, but, by the way, another game where the Miami Dolphins are able to beat the crap out of a team that isn't any good and, you know, that has a bad record, and they can't beat anybody with a winning record. So, uh, you know, but here's the thing that, you know, one of the things you talk, you like to talk about, about how good the Patriots' defense or the secondary has been against number one receivers. You know, they, well, they, they not only couldn't handle the number one last week, they couldn't handle the number two. And I get, I mean, look, they're, they're decimated with injuries. And at this point, I mean, you could almost see the writing on the wall last week, uh, what those two, what, what Hill and Waddle were going to be able to do last week, weren't you? Well, the game changed totally when, when Hill had that long touchdown. I mean, right. they had that timing passing game down. The whole first quarter, Tua could not do anything. He threw an interception early. Duggar got one on him. They were getting pressure on him. They went up seven nothing early, and it was like, okay, like this, this could be something, you know? Like uh, they're in really good shape, and they get up, they get up ten seven in the game, and and uh, you know the game really changed when they had an opportunity to extend their lead, and Jalen Ramsey baited Mac Jones into an interception, yep. uh, right inside sure the thirty. Did. Like they were moving the football. And and Ramsey just had a clean, had a clean, beautiful job where he came off of one receiver and went to KB with the other, and they tried to go to KB with it, and and Ramsey jumped the ball. I mean, it was that makes the difference. I mean, the fact that Ramsey was in that game, it was something that Mac Jones had not seen, and you know he really made a difference. And then that got the the Dolphins the ball back, and the one thing you need to do is keep Tyreek Hill at bay, which they were doing for right. most of the first quarter. Right. 
And bada bing, bada boom, J.C. Jackson has a brain fart, and Marte Mapper will have a brain fart, and they let him just go fly right by them, not even try to get back. So, you know, there's no way in my mind that Belichick, that wasn't a coaching point for him. That was just a classic mistake, and J.C. Jackson just got picked on all day long after that. And just kind of let the floodgates open. The Patriots aren't built, like we said, to come back from behind. They're not. And, you know, Miami, I think that score, I think that score was a little bit, Unindicative. That game was closer than the score was, but at, at the end of the day, the offense just couldn't get anything going in the second half, and you know it kind of sputtered out of control from there. And Miami's the, the bottom line for that game is Miami is a more talented team. Period. Yeah. Like the Patriots can play hard. The Patriots can play hard, but everything has to go right for the Patriots to win. Right. And not that many things have to go right for the Dolphins to win games because they can just out run you and out gun you. So uh, at the end of the day, look, the Patriots, the Patriots schedule is going to get a lot easier now. Uh, uh-huh, they're done with right. kind of the hard games for the next few weeks, and we've been saying that for weeks. Mm-hmm. I know we've been yeah. saying that. Everybody's waiting for it. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it's, this season, as we've said, since that, since that Saints game and since that Raider game, is pretty much lost. Yeah. So they're going to compete, and – at the end of the day, we'll see where they end up. If they're five hundred, if they're six and eleven, wherever six, they go. You said six wins, right? Yeah, I said six wins, and 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 I'm not. I, I, tell you what, after watching after watching Washington last week and the way Howell played, I'm not even sure about the Washington game. And I thought that was I had that one in the win column, so I'm not even sure about that one anymore. Yeah, I think Washington really just plays well against Philadelphia. You watch them the three weeks before; it wasn't very good. So you know, and I and you'd like to say that you'd like to say they're going to beat Denver, but they've got to go play in the altitude, and you know, who knows? Yeah, I mean, nothing is a given. Nothing no. is a given that this Patriot team anymore, no, especially yeah. this year in the they'll NFL. Play, they'll they'll play they'll play hard. There's no question, but can they win the game? That's the whole. That's the whole. Uh, Oh, kibosh. All right. You know. We got to right the ship. We got to get you after that one in six week last week. You're now 20. Brutal. Let's get it right. 27 for tw- 27 and 29 on the season. Not good. So we're right around 500, right. which is where we are on, on the other show. There you go. So. All right. Perfect. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's start this week and uh, that uh, Kansas City Miami game. And the Chiefs are a point and a half favorite in this one. And, you know, again, you talk, you could say whatever you want about, you know, what Kansas City and what Patrick Mahomes are, you know, are, is or is not doing. At the end of the day, Miami has yet to beat a good team. And I, and I'm not, I don't think it's going to happen this week. You don't think? Uh, I mean, I, I can see your argument there. Here's my problem with the game. Miami's actually going to be the healthiest they've been all year. Uh, they're going to get all their secondary guys back. They haven't had. Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey play in a game together yet, and right. they're getting other secondary guys back. Uh, the Chiefs, I mean, you're not really worried about the Chiefs receivers. Um, you're worried about Kelsey, Kelsey. and to, if you if you don't think that putting Ramsey on Kelsey is a good matchup, I don't know what we're doing here. Um, so, you know, that was that's going to be a great matchup. Hopefully they do that. And then, you know, at, after that, you know, you're kind of looking at the Chiefs defense, and, and that's going to be the whole game is can the Dolphins keep Chris Jones away from Tua Tagovailoa? Mm. Because that's the one thing that's going to bother Tua is that pressure interiorly it is going to be a real headache for them. Chris Jones has the has the is really the the razor's edge of this whole game. Is can they contain him? Because if they can, I don't see any reason why Miami can't move the football on this team. I think this is going to be a tough game. So I know the Chiefs are favored. The Chiefs also don't get into 
Germany until Friday, where as the Dolphins have been there all week. All week so, yeah. It, yeah, so that's a that's another weird thing. It's also going to be raining and windy. This could be a weird game. I'm going to take the Dolphins. I, I think the Dolphins do get there, okay. and I, I'll and it'll be kind of a shocker. But we've seen things happen this year that are weird. But I think the Chiefs lose two in a row. Wow. Okay. Um, next one: uh, Seattle at Baltimore. The, you know, in Seattle, what five and two right now? Baltimore uh, playing pretty well, and uh, the Ravens are a five and a half point favorite at home. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty big number, huh? For Seattle, yeah. you know. So, uh, and that's at first glance you look at that, but if you look at last week, I mean Seattle got a gift they from the gods from they, they, PJ Walker to win that game. That's true. So you know, I think I am a little worried. They did trade for Leonard Williams this week, which yep. will help their run defense. So that's a that's a good trade for them. Uh, but you know, Baltimore's playing better than anybody right now. I mean, I, I don't know who's playing better. Lamar Jackson to me looks like the MVP of the league. So, you know, uh, it's a tough one. Lamar has historically killed his NFC opponents. So I, I kind of, I, I th- definitely think the Ravens are going to win this game. Tough on the spread, obviously, to take that big number, yep. but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take the Ravens to win this one because the Seahawks are going to play a, a much tougher opponent than they've been playing. Yeah, well, fortunately on this show, you're just picking the winner because uh, that that's a huge, thank God. That's a that's a huge number. I think I'll tell you what. That's one. If I was actually a better, I'd stay away from that game because I that. One. Yeah, it's it's too it's a fishy number because you look at it and you say, why is Seattle, you know, not not less of a of a dog? Yeah. And that's exactly when they get <laughs> exactly right. Uh, okay, here's our toilet bowl game of the week. You ready? I can't wait. The Rams at Green Bay. We don't even know. Mm. It doesn't look like Stafford is going to play this week. That's the rumor, anyway. Um, and uh, you know, it, look, if it's a chance for Jordan Love to make a statement against a bad team, he's got to he's got to have something positive to build on. They're three point favorites at home. Oh, I hate that you made me pick this game because if Stafford was playing, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a maniacal evil game for you to pick. It is. You're right. Uh, the uh, if Stafford was playing in this game, Rams you know, I do kind of like the Rams yeah. a lot. Yeah. You know, it's a no-brainer. Like, who are the Packers to be three-point favorites? Right. But, you know, McVay is a magician with what he can work. I don't know if he can get out of this one playing Brett Rippon. Right. Uh, that's going to be a toughie. could be so, worse. It could be Mark Rippon. Hey, at least Mark Rippon won a Super Bowl, you know. I mean, you know, you know, so his spawn can't be much worse than him. So it's it's uh, it's going to be tough for for the Rams to kind of do this. Donald would have to have a monster game for them to win. They can't run the football. Um, uh, you got to think Green Bay shows some pride here at home, right? Second straight home game. They just got lost to their division rival. Uh, I'll take the Packers if Matt Stafford's not playing. That's what I'll <laughs> Holding your nose, he takes the Packers. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, your boys, the uh, the Patriots, um, <laughs> at home with uh, with Washington, and you know, look, uh, obviously that that receiving core of Washington isn't anything like Miami has. So even though Howell had a great game, it's not uh, bad though. No, it's not, not bad, bad. But can you know? I don't know that they've got the uh, as much breakaway speed as they do in Miami. So uh, can the Patriots hang? The Patriots are actually a three and a half point favorite, mm-hmm. which is shocking to me. Well, I think the book knows. I think they they know that Washington is not a good team. And they play well against the Eagles, and 
if you go back a couple of weeks before, they played the Giants and they got held to seven points. Right. Uh, they played the Falcons, and even though they won that game, they got outgained by 250 yards. Um, you know, so you know Washington is kind of a a wonky team, and they just traded two of their best defensive players. Fair. Yeah, so, but, but, you you know, know, but the Patriots, the Patriots offense isn't striking fear into the hearts of men. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's definitely not. I could definitely say that. And Kendrick Bourne's injury is absolutely devastating. So, you know, this is going to have to be a Patriots run the ball kind of game with Zeke and Ramondre because that's something that you can do on Washington. They're like 21st in the league in rush defense. So, you know, I, I, I do think that the Patriots defense is playing better. I think you can. I think you can see it there. I know you you didn't see it for the whole game last week, but they had been playing better. They played the Bills really well, mm-hmm. um, you know. So I, I do think the Patriots will win this game. Plus, Belichick is playing against a a kid who has less than ten starts in his career. Um, you got to think that he's going to throw some confusion, and they can get some turnovers. That's the thing. The Patriots haven't gotten any turnovers this year. Um, but he's really good against quarterbacks that have not made a lot of starts. So even even after Brady has been gone, he's been good against those teams. So I, I, I'm going to take the Patriots to win this game close. Uh, the t- Two of the late games are two of the best games of the week. Dallas at Philadelphia. Uh, Philly is a three-point favorite. Um, and, look, I, I understand that, uh, you know, with, with Dallas, you never know which Dak Prescott you're going to get, right? So, uh, but uh, – I, I am still worried if I'm a Philly fan about Jalen Hurts' health. He just doesn't look right. And the fact that, I mean, the fact of the matter is the way he's limping around right now, it, it takes the run really out of the equation for him, doesn't it? I think you're exactly right on that. I think, I think with Hurts not being able to run, it takes all the, dangerous, all the danger out of, their, out of their run game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to me, you know, again, he's another guy. You know, you realize that Jalen Hurts this year has been hit by the opposing defender 18 times this year Oof. already. Last year, he only got hit 22 times all year. That's that's like so, that's Joe Burrow, like from Joe Burrow's rookie year. Yes, yes, yeah. of course. I mean, he's getting he's getting kind of walloped around with some good defenses, and yep. you know, you know, Parsons is coming for him. I mean, they yeah. they want him. So you know, to me, it's. It's it's really going to be a challenge. It, obviously, AJ Brown is, is going to be a major issue. They, they're going to have to deal with him. He's, in my opinion, AJ Brown right now is playing the best football of any receiver in football. Wow! And I know it's a controversial statement because right. I know Tyreek Hill is really good, yeah. but but I think AJ Brown's been the most impactful first team. Okay. And and to me and to me, I, I, he saved the Eagles in a lot of spots. So I I think that that's going to be the whole game. But really, the whole game comes down to. Can Dallas block up front against this Eagles front? Because the, Dallas is going to want to run the football. McCarthy wants to do that, right? That's how his offense runs. Mm-hmm. Can he get any penetration? Washington did. If you watch that game, Washington was able to do it. And their offensive line stinks. Dallas has Dallas is really good at protecting the quarterback in the pass and running and running the ball. I think they're the third best team in pressure rate allowed. And I think uh, Philadelphia is seventh best in pressure rate. So, so there, this is going to be a real battle up front. And Jalen Carter is back for the Eagles. So, that's the whole key to the game. To me, I actually think the Dallas pulls this off. I, I this is not really? the playoffs. This is the regular season. I'm going to take the Cowboys to to win this game because I think that I do think that their defense is going to bother Hurts, and he has not stopped turning the ball over. 
Uh, and that's going to be a major thing for them. So I, I cannot back the Eagles in this game, not knowing how many turnovers are going to give up to Dallas because Dallas is going to play the methodical game of find a way to win. This is not the Dallas team that's just going to chuck it all over the yard like it's been the last couple of years. They're going to figure out a way to win the game on their terms, and I think they'll do it on Sunday. Um, then we have uh, the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow, who are flying right now. They are at home. They're a one-and-a-half-point favorite against Buffalo. Buffalo's had a little bit of extra time off because they played uh, the previous Thursday, so they've got a little bit of extra time off. But uh, Josh Allen is uh, is not – he is wildly inconsistent this year. I guess that's the only way I can put it. I, I just <laughs> – these are two teams going in two different directions. It seems to be. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's Buffalo does do an their their offensive metrics are incredible, which is incredible considering that they only throw the ball to one guy. <laughs> so it's it's they'll do it. Yeah. They'll do it and they'll spread the ball around for a drive or two. And then they will just revert back to, to let's find digs or Josh Allen's going to make a crazy throw or something like that. And it, this all goes back to last year's divisional round playoff game. I mean, the Bengals are just going to out-physical this team. We, they don't have the front to do this, you know? I mean, the front is too small for Buffalo. They don't have Milano. They don't have Jones. Now they got another corner hurt right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're just not going to be able to cover these guys and and I think Joe Mixon's going to have a great game. I think they're going to run the ball right down the faces of the Bills. Uh, it's going to be a tough one. And if I was Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator, I'd be pressuring Josh Allen all day long. Uh, that's what I'd be doing and, and making him beat you with his arm and make stupid decisions. The guy is a fantastic quarterback. He just doesn't have the offensive play caller or the weapons around him outside of Diggs to get anything done. So they could have lost last. If you watched that game last week, if Chris Godwin picks up his head on the Hail Mary, mm-hmm. they score a touchdown, they win. I mean, that's yeah. all he had to do was pick up his head. He just turned around just a second too late. I mean, it was it was close. So, you know, I, I really like Cincinnati in this game. Um, the last one, and uh, those surprising New York Jets, ladies and gentlemen, uh, four and three without Aaron Rodgers is just incredible uh they are at home and they are a three-point dog to the chargers and i can't figure this out i mean i look i know the chart but the chargers have three wins and two of those wins are the chicago bears and the las vegas raiders so i can't take their record seriously you know what i mean no you can't i I would not be at all surprised if the jets win this game which is exactly why why we're clear on the runway. You know, we're clear on the runway for the F-16s. Like, let's go, Jets, <laughs> on Monday night. Easy. That's unreal. Like, this is going to be – it's unreal that I'm doing that. But, like, who the heck are the Chargers? Nobody. The most disappointing team in the league. Next coach. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, 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 we were having a good side roll bet, me and Maddie, because Maddie really likes Brandon Staley. And I like Josh McDaniels. And, yep. And, you know, we were seeing who, who was a race to the bottom, and it sounded like <laughs> he won or I guess I won, if you put it that way. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of a funny thing. But Helm Staley is still a coach here. It's incredible. Um, and, and they're going to say, oh, look how he was on Sunday night. Are you kidding? Like, <laughs> like who, the, the praise that he was getting on Sunday night was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It was utterly absurd. And now he's going to play a real defense team, believe it or not. I got the Jets' defense rated number one defense in the league right now. What? I mean, really? that's, 
That's wow. what I have. Yeah. Like I, I really think they're playing better than anybody in my opinion from the numbers. So I really like the jets here a lot. This, this is not going to be an okay walk for her, I think he's going to get pounded around and they, they haven't been able to run the ball either. The chargers just stopped running the football and they got Eckler back and they still don't run it. Right. So this is going to be a tough one. And I think this charger defense, although it's played better, not really uh, still up to snuff yet. I, I like Wilson to be able to be able to move the move the ball. Brees Hall will have a big game too. I like the Jets. Wow. Well, all right. Uh, how about those Liberty Liberty Flames this week, huh? Still going. You know, eight and zero. Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech on Saturday. You know, it's it's still going strong. I, you know, these are the type of games that you know you overlook a team, right? And you just you, you don't want to trip up when you have twelve and zero in the bag. You just the pressure built, you know. So you got to play hard, no matter what. You know. First uh, playoff rankings came out for college football. Ohio State, despite not being number one in the poll, is number one uh, according to uh, the 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 people for the uh, the football playoffs. They are number one. Georgia, number two. What'd you make of that? Uh, I make of it as it means absolutely nothing, and we'll <laughs> see you in December. So that's, I mean. Ohio State's played the toughest schedule, and the committee can, the committee can you know lie to themselves all they want. You know, if you think Ohio State looks the best, looks like the best team in the league, like more power to you. I, I just I don't see it. I don't see it at all. Like Michigan's been dominant for the entire year against less competition. Yes, but they haven't been sniffed. And you look at Florida State. Florida State should be. You know, probably ranked ahead of Ohio State. I mean, Florida State's got some really good wins right. too. So, well, and you know, and, you know, and, I, and Georgia's starting to look more like Georgia. You know, you know, Georgia this, looks great. I mean, despite yeah. despite yeah. the injury, um, they the last couple of weeks they've looked they've looked fantastic. So, uh, so it's all going to come down to that Michigan Ohio State game, is what you're telling me. Yeah, and Michigan's going to play Penn State in a couple of weeks, and they'll get bumped ahead of Ohio State when they when they win that game. So. You know, and Georgia, Georgia's played since that Auburn game. I mean, they have, they found it. Yeah. Like, they really found it. You yeah. know, they found what they're looking for. I think they've, so. got, they've got Missouri this week, which shouldn't be too much of That's a little issue. challenge, though. Missouri's not bad this yeah. year. Yeah, okay. the Missouri's, Missouri's, they were ranked at one point. I think they still might be. So I thought I saw that number you know, was pretty big, though. I thought I saw. Yeah, I mean, it's still, still Missouri. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> and, but still, like, don't, don't sleep on that team. That team is decent. So, uh, UConn's playing. Uh, <laughs> UConn has got 150. Tennessee, yeah, should be the spread Tennessee, on that game. Tennessee this week, I think. I think it's uh, what 35 and a half. <laughs> oh, take the tennis. Take the volunteers. <laughs> take them. This isn't. This isn't Pat Summit, Gmo, Oriama. This oh. is. This is something way different. You know. Well, Dan, listen. Safe travels. Thank you very much for joining us uh, today, and uh, we'll look forward to you talking to you next week. And let's hope it's better than one and six, my friend. I, I hope so. We need we need a good week this week, huh? Yeah, we do. Dan Zampano here on Sports Country Radio. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Enjoy the college and NFL this weekend, and uh, we will see you on Monday. Hey, Jimmy Buffett's uh, final album was released yesterday, and uh, uh, the uh, the top track from that is uh, rocketed up the uh, adult contemporary charts. It's it's actually it's, it's kind of sad when you think about it, but it's the uh, Highest charting song he's had in a long time, but it's kind of uh, his motto on life and uh, it, the words of wisdom that he leaves us with. Here's Jimmy Buffett and Bubbles Up. We'll see you on Monday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.